So I got to know John. Can I tell the story? That's true. Yeah, I got to know John. A professor of mine was teaching John uh, Greek while he was in prison. And he said, this is, he's one of the sharpest Greek students I've ever had, and he's in prison. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he said you were a very sharp Greek student. Maybe not one of the sharpest, but he did say you were a sharp Greek student. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then since then, our paths just keep, we keep bumping into each other in weird ways. And so I said, hey, why don't you come and preach and share some of your story at the village? So I'm going to pray for him. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, would you fill John with your spirit? Would we not just hear your words from this man, but would we have the grace to put them into practice? In the strong name of our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, there we go. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've never preached anything like this before. Like, I usually have a stand and I can put stuff on it, but today I feel kind of naked. So like I'm standing before you, this is terrible. Anyway. If you brought your Bible, flip it open or your app, whatever you got. Flip it open to Mark 1. We're going to be going 21 to 28. Jesus' wisdom in dealing with enemies. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any enemies that you could think of? Maybe someone you work with who's kind of against you, someone at your school. Maybe it's a member of your own family, someone who's just against you, they're your enemy. Maybe... Maybe someone considers you their enemy. Jesus had a lot of enemies, spiritual enemies, physical enemies. Jesus displays great wisdom when it comes to dealing with enemies. What I want to focus on today is just how, how, how Jesus demonstrates this wisdom in his walk. So if you look, we're, uh, I'm going to tell you a story actually real quick. A bit of my story. I was born and raised in Hamilton. My dad left my mom when I was young. Um, found myself, by the time I was 16, a uh, bad drug addict, selling drugs to get by. Got kicked out of my mom's house. And uh, the only thing I could do to kind of keep, my, keep myself afloat was to grow pot. So that's what I did for a few years. I just grew pot. In the middle of it, like... This terrible addiction, this, this hopelessness, suicidal thoughts. God started to do something amazing in my life. I ended up saving the life of a guy who one of my associates had tried to, uh, who, who had tried to kill. Uh, my associate said that what I did was unsolid. I couldn't be trusted anymore. And, and that just, like, it, it infuriated me. Those words instantly made them my enemy. Now, they're my enemy. I ended, up, uh, I ended up shooting one of them after I robbed them. The next day they tried to kill me. And that's, that's actually why I'm a Christian now is because I shouldn't be alive. I got to experience God's grace in, in, a, in a very real way because people who tried to kill me, just a, a, a low-life scumbag drug addict, you know, God reached in and saved my life. Now the reason why I'm telling you this story is it's, I want you to see how not to deal with your enemies. What I did was I, I let anger take control of me. I didn't think for a second about the consequences of what I was doing. And because of that, I spent the next few years in prison. 
My story is a good example of how not to deal with your enemies. But Jesus shows us how we should deal with our enemies. So, you got it open? Mark 1, 21, you got it? Does everyone have a Bible here, by the way? You're just going to listen to me read it, aren't you? Right on. (laughs) Okay, let me read the text. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He was, he was demon-possessed. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Usually people say, praise be to God, but this is in a park, so I guess we don't have to be so formal, right? (laughs) So our text here, where we find ourselves, is... It's kind of right at the beginning of, of Jesus' public ministry. Can you hear me, by the way? So I use my hands a lot, like, like I'm Italian or something. Better? Oh, my goodness. Now I can hear me, and I don't like that. <laughs> anyway, where we find our story is right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Um, he just came off of a battle with Satan 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. We all know that story, right? And right after that, he goes down to Capernaum. Uh, where he sees uh, Peter, like he was called Simon at this point, Andrew, James, and John. He recruits them on the seaside, right? They become followers of Christ, and he moves right into the synagogue, which is still in Capernaum. That's where this confrontation happens. Notice how, notice how the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching as one with authority. Right? The reason is because most people didn't teach like Jesus. Most, most rabbis would, would, would rely on like, the credentials of someone else. Like, you know, Rabbi so-and-so says this about the text. Rabbi such-and-such says this about the text. But Jesus walks in there and starts preaching as one who has authority. They're amazed at that. But not only does he teach as one who has authority, he then turns around and demonstrates the authority he has by driving out this demon. So in comes this demon-possessed guy, and the demon speaks to Jesus through, like, the man that he was kind of infesting. I don't know how else to say that. The guy who he, he was possessing. He says, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? When he says us, the demon actually is talking about all demonic forces. You see, even before Jesus died on the cross, the demons knew what their ultimate end was going to be. But they knew they were going to lose the battle. It was just a matter of time. This demon shows that. Have you come to destroy us? It's not what's happening yet. He then goes on to say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So this demon knows exactly who Jesus is. And he knows the authority Jesus has. But Jesus doesn't let him go on and on about 
you know, who he is. He doesn't let him go around saying, hey, look, this guy's the son of God. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Jesus shuts him right down. I've often wondered why. Like, if this demon, clearly a supernatural being, knows who Jesus is, why doesn't Jesus just let him, you know, squawk about who Jesus is? It gives kind of proof to, you know, the authority that Jesus has. Jesus shows great wisdom when dealing with his enemies by not allowing them to give him publicity. There's a such thing as bad publicity. You know what I mean? Jesus doesn't allow these demons to go off and, and, and give him publicity. Not to mention the fact that if, if, oh, thank you so much. Oh, hallelujah. I met Nico. He was actually uh, at Soli Business. He was the guy in the bunk uh, on top of me, right? And I had this broken toe, and it turns out he's a doctor, so he had to look at it. <laughs> Wasn't out of joint. That's good. Anyway, Jesus shows, shows great wisdom in not allowing them to give him publicity because if, if they had been the ones to tell people about Jesus, then Jesus' ministry would have been tainted, right? His whole ministry would have been tainted. He would have been using evil to help build the kingdom of God. And then demons could turn around and st- somehow take credit for helping to build the kingdom of God. It was su- super convoluted. You couldn't do that can't have demons giving you publicity. Jesus also drives the demon out with just, just a couple of words. He doesn't engage in a lengthy discourse with these demons. He doesn't try to appease them. He doesn't send them on their merry way. He drives them out with just a couple of words. Right? He rebukes them and kicks them out. So often, we act as though we don't have a mortal enemy. Often, we act as though as though Satan and demons are kind of just this thing that maybe you know, leaps off the pages of Scripture, but it's not something that could actually affect our everyday lives. And there's nothing further from the truth. You have an enemy. I asked you the question right at the beginning, who are your enemies? Do you have any enemies? Yes, you do. You have an enemy who's very strong and doesn't like you. Often we dabble in a little bit of sin, Maybe a little astrology, maybe horoscopes. Oh, it's no big deal. That's what we tell ourselves. Maybe, maybe we get into yoga. Throw Christian on the front of it and say, well, it's okay. It's just stretching. Not realizing what the actual roots of that are. When we engage the demonic in our lives in whichever way, through sin or through other pagan activities, what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to have access to us. And that's wrong. That's how we get our lives jacked up. You need to understand that, that you have an enemy, a very strong enemy, and his desire is to hurt you. You may ask, well, why, why is the enemy so against me? Very simple. You bear the image of God. You as a human being bear the image of God. Satan's, Satan's desire is to destroy that image. Right from conception all the way to natural death, he's seeking the whole time to destroy it. Addiction, right? death, suicide. You know what's crazy is, is we buy this lie kind of in, in you know, Western culture that if we have enough money, if we have enough, you know, our, our house is big enough, somehow we'll be happy. And it turns out that we in this culture use 
antidepressants more than anyone else. We're not happier with stuff. It's a lie from the devil to get us to, 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 to take our eyes off of the God who wants to give us life. You have an enemy who wants to destroy you. But the good news is that you don't have to let him destroy you. The Apostle Paul says, this is Colossians 2, 13 through 15. I'll just read it for you, okay? <laughs> and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Dead, by the way, not just sick, dead. You who were dead. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. The debt that we have incurred because of our sin, in Christ it's canceled. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus has disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's the demonic world. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the kingdom of the enemy. He has disarmed them through the cross. That debt that our sin has caused, right, that's bringing on us the wrath of God and hell, that debt that we, we deserve rightly because of our sin, he's canceled that debt. This is good news. That is for those who have placed their faith in Christ. In Christ, we're forgiven for all our sin. All our sin. I don't know how bad you were. I don't know the things you've done. I know me personally, I'm very guilty. All that sin. Forgiven. The debt that our sin caused is canceled. This is good news. In Christ, our enemies of Satan, sin, and death are defeated. They're defeated. He put them to open shame. He triumphed over them through the cross. If we're in Christ, we too triumph over them through the cross. Right? We have authority over that through the cross, through what Christ has given us. If you're in Christ, that means you've placed your faith in him. Satan has no right to your life. However, the opposite's true. If you've not placed your faith in Christ then you need to understand that you're, you're already in the enemy's camp. Right? He's already got you. He has complete access to your life to run amok in it however he'd like. It's only in Christ that we're able to defeat our ultimate enemy of Satan, sin, and death. This is how we're supposed to deal with our enemies of Satan and, and demons. We're supposed to defeat them through the authority given to us by Jesus Christ because of the price that he paid on the cross in our place for our sins. But another question is, how do we deal with people who are our enemies? How do we deal with people, like physical people in front of us who are against us? Jesus has lots to say about this too. I'm going to take you right to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, again, this is Jesus using his authority, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus didn't just set a really good, you know, kind of pie in the sky, you know, 
platitude that we can pull out whenever someone's against us. Jesus demonstrates this very thing, exactly what he's saying, to the max on the cross. Think about it. What did Jesus say as he's dying on the cross? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, right? As Jesus is hanging there with, hand, with nails driven through his hands and his feet, nails driven through them, He's praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As these people are busy actively killing Christ, actively killing him, he's praying for their forgiveness. Jesus didn't just set this as kind of an ethereal example, maybe you should try to do this. Jesus meant it, and then he proves it with his actual actions. What are we supposed to do when it comes to 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 enemies who who are against us, who are are seeking to destroy us. We need to love them. We need to forgive them. We need to pray for them. I mean, I don't know if you've had people try to actually, like, physically damage you badly. The last thing you want to do is forgive them. The last thing you want to do is love them. This is what we're called to do. Another example I want to give you is sometimes loving is confronting. Sometimes to love is to confront. Now, think of when, you know, Jesus is at the temple. This is like the last week of his life. He's in there preaching and teaching, and the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes are all kind of against him. They're trying to, trying to trip him up so that people will, will stop following him, basically, right? And so they ask this question, you know, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And what does Jesus say? Well, show me a coin. Right? Whose image is this on there? Well, it's Caesar's image. And then Jesus very masterfully says, well, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. One, one quick kind of statement, Jesus is able to confound his enemies. Sometimes it's important for us to confront those who are against us for the sake of the other people that are around. But in all this, what we need to understand is that the most important thing we can ever bring to any confrontation with any enemy, whether this is demonic, whether this is personal, whether it's just someone wanting to argue, the most important thing you can do is pray. The most important thing you can do is pray for wisdom. All circumstances are different. You guys ever read through the Proverbs? I'm going way off course here, okay? You ever read through the Proverbs? Okay, so there's like this one statement that says, you know, uh, do not rebuke a fool. And then right after it, it says, rebuke a fool. You're left going, well, what, do you, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to rebuke the fool or not? The whole point is that, that God's asking us to, to seek his wisdom when dealing with all sorts of enemies. So the most important thing we could do whenever we're dealing with enemies, whether it's demonic, like I said, or, or personal, is to pray for God's wisdom. He promises that anyone who seeks that wisdom, he'll give it to you. Right? It's a promise. So what am I supposed to do, Lord? What, do, what would you have me to do? Do I confront this guy? Do I rebuke this guy? Do I simply forgive? 
because I'm preaching in a park, I'm going to add this too. Sometimes we get a twisted view of forgiveness. And sometimes we think that forgiving someone is, is allowing them to have complete access back to your life. Sometimes that's dangerous. You know, if someone has abused you or your children, it's not a good thing to just say, oh, all is forgiven, just come on over and watch my kids again. No, you don't do that. That's crazy. <coughs> forgiveness is more like this. Say Mark borrows 50 bucks from me, okay? Says, I'll pay you right back. All right, Mark, here's 50 bucks. And then Mark never pays me. I ask him for it a few times, gives me some runaround. I don't know why you would do this to me, Mark, but, but pay what you owe. <coughs> After a little while, I come to the, the very distinct realization that he's not going to pay me. And all I'm doing now is I'm becoming more and more angry at Mark because he ripped me off. So I forgive him the debt. So you know what? I'm not going to ask for it anymore. I'm just going to wipe it off. It's, it's, it's a clean. It's a clean slate. However, if Mark comes to borrow 50 bucks again, I ain't giving it to him. You know what I mean? Because I know he's going to rip me off. That's like, that's like what I'm talking about with forgiveness. I cancel the debt so that, so that, so that my bitterness goes away, so that, so that maybe there could be reconciliation. But it doesn't mean that we allow the access the same as though nothing had ever happened. Especially with kids, it can be very dangerous. Anyway, I'm going to kind of land the plane on this. The most important thing we can do whenever it comes to dealing with our enemies is to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us the wisdom to navigate the situation in the way that will bring him the most glory. Not us. In the way that will glorify him the most. When it comes to dealing with our enemies, we defeat the demonic forces through prayer. We forgive those who fight against us through prayer. And we contend with the confrontational again through prayer. Remembering that it's, it's God who wants to give us the wisdom in all circumstances to deal with our enemies in a way that glorifies him. I'm going to land the plane right there. Um, want me to pray? Lord, I just ask that, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us up with wisdom. I ask that you would fill us up with wisdom and understanding to see what it is that you see behind the scenes so that as we deal with those who are, who are striving against us, we'd be able to do it in a way that honors you, that glorifies you makes much of your name and, and very little of ours. Holy Spirit, I thank you that wisdom is something that you want to give us. It's a good gift that you want to give. Fill us up with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.